And yes, congratulations to the 33 who were baptized this past Sunday. And if you were baptized, um, you would be able to pick up your certificate at our information center, which is located outside of the fellowship hall. So if, again, you were baptized this past Sunday, please go and get your uh, certificates um, at the information center. And as Pastor Sheldon was saying, a lot of us, we don't like changes, but I see that there's a great change that's happening with our youth and relentless uh, youth ministry. And they're, they're, Pastor Ben is doing a wonderful job with our youth um, here at New Hope Hilo Hawaii to reach and to become all that they can be for Jesus and then reach our community one relationship at a time. So can we give Pastor Ben and the, the, the youth ministry and staff, boy, what a fantastic job they're doing. And again, a lot of us, we don't like changes. And this morning, we want to continue with our series, Preparing for the Unknown. Now, I don't know about you, but I always come to a crossroads through the trials and the experience that I go through in my life as a Christian. And those crossroads are, how do I respond as a Christian or, or a follower of Jesus Christ when the unknown happens? In our lives. Hence the question mark. How do I respond to the unexpected? Like when your car breaks down in the middle of the highway. How do you respond? How do you respond as a Christian when someone cuts you off in traffic? Or maybe cuts you off in a buffet line, the food line at Hilo Hawaiian. How do you respond as a Christian? How do you respond when your co-worker irritates the heck out of you? How do you respond? How do you act when things just don't go your way? What comes out of you when people press up against you? What happens within your heart? What do, what do I look like? What do you look like when you're not in church? What do you look like? Because no matter what happens in life, listen, folks, your faith will be tested. You will be put to the test. And sometimes as a Christian, you know, life can become very overwhelming when we thought everything would be good or hunky-dory and things would have gotten better as a Christian. And just when we think it's getting better, things go south. And then we go through some difficult times, don't we? We'd experience some unexpected uh, problems in our relationships. Maybe in our finances and in our health problems, at work problems, kids' problems, and so on. And it's in these times that our faith is truly tested. When life seems to be out of control and we don't know what's about to happen. Then anxiety and worry start to settle in our hearts. And then we've entered into the unknown area of our lives or a place where we are not familiar or we're not accustomed to. But did you know that it's in these times that God does his best work within us to what's called sifting? 
God allows circumstances and situations to happen in our, in our lives at certain periods and seasons to show us what's really happening on the inside of our hearts and where we truly stand in faith with him. And he does it so that we would know. He doesn't do it so that he would know because he's all-knowing. He already knows what's happening within you. He does it so that we would know, so that he would get our attention. Why? Because he loves you. And this morning, we're going to look at a man named Peter who was a disciple of Jesus. And Peter became a mighty man of God and did wonders sharing his faith and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in his days. But before he became that man, that person that God created him to be, Peter went through some major, major trials in his life. And Peter set the bar and became our forerunner of what you and I will experience as we follow Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus didn't say that this Christian life that we now have was going to be filled with balloons and streamers, although we think and imagine that that's how it's going to be. But he did say we'd go through some trials in our lives for his name's sake. So we're going to look at how God adjusts our lives as he adjusted Peter's. We're going to talk about being sifted and preparing for the unknown. If you would take out your bulletins, we have some notes and some scriptures that you could follow along with us this morning. And if you got your Bibles, would you open your Bibles to the book of Luke? And we'll be in the 22nd chapter, Luke 22, verse 31 and 32. Luke 22, verses 31 and 32. Amen? And here's what it reads. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, who is Peter, indeed, Satan has asked for you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. That your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. From this reading, Jesus indicates that there was a conversation that took place in the heavens over the soul and the life of Peter. And Jesus warns Peter that Satan has asked for him. And he wants to come after him to sift him as wheat. That's so amazing, and I'm so glad that God has our back. Satan has to ask for permission before he can do anything in your lives. Did you guys know that? That he has to go to the Father and ask for permission. Boy, you guys got to jump on this, man. That's good news for us today. That before Satan can do anything, because we do, we blame the devil all the time, right? The devil made me do it. Yeah, we do. But before he can do anything, he has to go ask for permission from God. So in other words, when Satan comes and he tries to bully you guys, you can just say that. You just just say, hey, wait, right there. I'm going to tell my father. (laughs) But anyway, Jesus tells Peter, he wants to sift you as wheat. And Jesus uses an analogy of sifting to describe what the enemy's intentions were. He wants to give you some cracks, Peter. He wants to test and sift Peter to see if Peter is really what he says he is, a Christian, a follower, a disciple. 
And in those days, the process of sifting uh, wheat wasn't a gentle process. It was a hard and drooling process that, 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 that they did to, to, to go and, and process the wheat. And the process involved some threshing or beating the wheat. And what this meant was they would have to put the wheat on some hard surface so that it could be trampled upon to separate the, the, the chaff or the pod from the kernel. And in those days, they would usually use oxen to trample these, these, these uh, heads of wheat on this hard surface to do that, to make the separation. The second process, the second step was to place what's left, that, that pile that was left, and they would put it on a winnowing fan. And what they would have to do was toss this, this uh, grain and stuff up in the air, and then that fan would blow away the chaff, the lighter chaff, to separate the heavier kernel, which would fall to the ground at that time, and it would separate while that, that chaff, the outer pods, would fly away. And then the third step was to put it to a sieve. And that sieve is, uh, was covered with, with, with a knitting, and they would put that in, and then they would turn that upside down and violently shake that, that, that sieve so that it would separate the grit and the dirt. Thus, those things would fall to the ground, and what was la- left in that sieve was the useful grains to bake. God would separate, well, they would separate the useful from the unused. And it's the same today. Today we have machines that do the, the, the sifting. Uh, one man would drive this machine, and in one motion, this machine would harvest, it would trash, it would separate all in one motion. And that one man that drives that machine took the place of many, many men who would work and, and, and do the sifting of this wheat. But the process was still the same. It's a drooling and hard process. And so it is with Peter and for us as we walk with Jesus Christ. And I'll be honest with you. It's not an easy walk to be a Christian. The word says that it's a narrow and a difficult road. But it's a walk that's worth the blessings of God. Well, Peter starts his faith when, when he got a revelation from, from, of Jesus Christ, of who Jesus really was. And that passage is found in Matthew. Sort of like you and I, when we first came to know Jesus and we received Jesus for the very first time, Peter gets this revelation from, from God himself. But something happens to Peter at the end of this, this passage. Let's read that passage. It's in Matthew. I don't think it's in your notes, but it's from Matthew 16, 13 to 23. And I'm reading from the New King James uh, Version. And here's what it says. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And this is where Peter gets that revelation. 
Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should, they should, they should tell no one that he was Jesus, the Christ. Isn't that just like Jesus to go against the grain? He tells us to do something and we do the complete opposite. Don't tell anyone. And guess what they did? They went and told everybody. Yeah, Jesus knows us more than we know ourselves sometimes. And then we'll continue. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Look at what Peter does here. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter was rebuking Jesus, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned, he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You know, I remember when I first came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and, and I began to read the Bible. I was just like Peter. I was so zealous to go out and do anything and everything for Jesus Christ. But there were times that I, were doing, I was doing things that God wasn't asking me to do or say, just like Peter. And there were times that I felt like Jesus was rebuking me. You see, folks, sometimes it's God that does the sifting in our lives. And that's your first point for today. Number one, sifting is a process of faith. Sifting is a process of for faith. When I came to this church about 19 years ago, I was so corrupted in my ways of living my life that it took a process for me to become what God intended me to be, what God was asking me to be, a Christian. I was a follower of what the world showed me to do. And God has to sift and he had to adjust my life See, I wasn't always a pastor, and I had a hard, fleshly covering over the kernel of my heart. And God wanted to get to that heart. So God put me through the process, and I didn't get to where I am today overnight. It took patience, and it took time for God to process me, and it will take time for you, for God to process you. You know, we live in a a microwave generation right now, and we want everything at the snap of a finger. We want it now, Lord. I like change right now, but it took you years to get to where you are. It took me years. So it will take some time to process. It all depends on you, but God is doing his work. And God wants to mold us into what he wanted me to be. And the process wasn't easy, but it was worth it. And I spoke to Eugene, our 
kitchen manager um, here at New Hope, and he's also a baker. So I asked him the question the other day. I said, hey, but I'd just like to ask you one question. Why do bakers sift the flour before baking a cake? And he said, well, they want to take out the, the, the lumps that are in the, in, in the cake so that the cake would become a, you know, good. So if a baker wanted to take out the, the lumps, and these lumps were caused by the elements of the climate um, that the, the flour was stored in. So if it was stored in a humid climate, then the, the moisture of the air would cause the flour to lump. Also, if the, the bags were stacked one upon the other, then the pressure from the weight would cause lumps to, to form in, the, in those bags. So the baker, a master baker, would have to sift the flour to get it all fluffy again so that the cake that, that he wants to create would be a, a fluffy, light, consistent cake. If he didn't sift it, then there would be parts in his cake that would have a hard piece where someone would bite into it and taste flour. And that's not what the master baker was creating. So they start to, to, to sift the flour to take out those impurities of, uh, uh, of the lumps. So if a master baker wanted to bake a cake and make it consistent, they would sift the flour. And it's sort of like you and I and Peter. And God is our master creator, does the same with us. He sifts out the impurities in us to make us his masterpiece as his child. So God puts us through a process and he'll sift us and get the hardness out of our hearts. He'll take out the impurities that keep us from being all that we can be for God. If we're a new Christian and we feel pressed at times, we feel like we're being trampled upon. This is hard because we thought that our lives would become better. Imagine what Peter went through. He just discovered the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And he got a revelation from God himself. And the next thing he knows that he's being rebuked by the Son of God. And Jesus wasn't rebuking him in a bad way. But Jesus was sifting his heart and getting the fleshly thoughts and his motives out while he was teaching him the ways of God. Imagine how Peter felt. Listen, there's nothing you and I will go through in life that someone else hasn't gone through or hasn't experienced before you and I. There's nothing you're experiencing right now in your lives that will surprise God. Listen, if you're going through a situation right now in your life, you're not the first and you're not going to be the last. But whatever you're going through in your life, there's a solution to your situation and there's an answer to your problems. See, God knows where you're at. He knows exactly what you're going to do. And he's a faithful God who loves you. Now, maybe you're in a process to realize where you're at and what's happening in your hearts and in your life right now. He's sifting you. He's sifting your life right now. And 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says it this way. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape 
that you may be able to bear it. You see, God sifts us in many ways because he loves us and he doesn't want us to remain the same. He'll put us through a process so we trust and we will build our faith in him. You know, here's what I found for myself. The more situations and circumstances that I struggle with, the more I see God working in my life. The more I see his faithfulness towards me. Somehow, the situation always works itself out. It always works for the good. Peter was rebuked and was put through the process, but it built his faith. And Jesus called him the rock. The rock that he would build his church upon because of his faith. That's when Jesus warned Peter about Satan's plan to sift him. Listen, when you and I have built faith and we're sold out on Jesus Christ, Satan would love nothing more than to knock that faith down within you and destroy your walk with Jesus Christ. He will come and test your faith. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came in that same verse, John 10, 10. Jesus came and it says that he came to bring us life and life more abundant. That will be your second fill-in for today. Number two, sifting will test your faith. Sifting will test your faith. Peter's faith was built through the process of being rebuked. And he learned from his mistakes. And when I was doing my own thing before God, the devil didn't have to come and tempt me because I was sinning all by myself. He didn't need to. But as soon as I came to Jesus Christ, that's when I went through the trials and the struggles. You know why? Because Satan will come and try to destroy your faith. When we're sinning on our own, he doesn't need to do nothing. You destroying yourself by yourself. But as soon as you turn to Jesus Christ and you build faith, that's when he'll try to come to kill, steal, and destroy As Jesus warns Peter of the sifting from the enemy, Peter confesses his faith to Jesus and started his and stated his vow and commitment to follow Jesus to the very end. Let's look at Peter's confession. And it comes out of Luke 22, 33, and 34. He says this, but he, Peter, said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I told you, Peter. Now I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. We all know the story that Peter denies Jesus three times as Jesus was being tried before he goes to the cross. And again, imagine how Peter feels staring at Jesus at the trial while he was being um, held there. And denying him three times and relenting his faith and his commitment. Imagine how Peter's feeling right now. The Bible says that Peter was grieved. And the Greek word for grieve is lupio, which means to be in heaviness, 
to be in deep pain and sorrowful, to be made sorry or exceedingly sorry. You see, Peter had failed Jesus and he remembers his words. I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And now Satan has sifted his faith. He has put it to the test. And Peter feels as though he has let Jesus down. He was in deep pain and sorrow and exceedingly sorry. He was grieved, lupial. And I can't count the times that I failed Jesus in my faith. And my faith is tested every day. And I'm sure your faith is tested every day. And at times I feel miserable failing him. I feel the grief Peter felt. And it grieves me in my spirit when I fail him. But the good news is Jesus knew that Peter would fail. That's why he warned Peter. And he knows you and I will fail him too. Listen, but he's not disappointed in us. When our lives are turned upside down. And we're tossed violently by the enemy. And we fail him. He knows that we are being sifted. And that's why he warned Peter. And he's warning you and I today. You know when Jesus said, Satan has asked for you. That you that was placed in the text right there is plural. Which means that we as followers and disciples of Jesus Christ will be sifted as Peter was. And Jesus knows to the sifting will learn from our shortcomings. Our faith will be tested and placed to the fire. But it's put to the fire for purification and for strength. He wants our faith to be genuine and true, strengthened by trusting him. And Peter writes it this way in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, through it is, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What Peter is saying here is I've been through the process of sifting and my faith has been tested just as yours will be. He's saying that to us today. It grieved me and it grieves you, but we can persevere through this because Jesus understands us. How? Jesus was put to the test too. He was grieved. And he suffered for us. So count it as a blessing. And stand strong when we go through the sifting process. Because it will build your faith. It will build your character. It will build your perseverance. That's what sifting will do. James says it this way in James 1, 2 to 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete. Lacking nothing. Our faith will be put to the process and attested. Sifting 
isn't an easy process, but through it, it will make us more complete as a disciple of Jesus Christ, which means that your faith will increase. And that's your last point for today. Number three, sifting will increase your faith. Sifting will increase your faith. When you and I came to Jesus, most of us came to him broken and and tried. We came to him not knowing what was in store for our lives or what God was going to be doing in it. The unknown. But we came searching anyway. God is the creator of all heaven and earth. And he's still in the creating business today. And we can come to him just as we are. And he would have it, he wouldn't have it any other way. We come with the chaff and we come with the lumps that are in us, with the impurities of our, of our heart. And God still loves us just the way we are. When Jesus warned Peter of Satan's plan, Jesus said this to Peter, Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen the breadwin. Folks, we are going to be put through the process of sifting so God can continue to mold and shape us into the person he created us to be from the beginning of this world. We'll feel as though that we're being trampled upon at times, but God knows what he's doing. And he's just getting rid of the hardness which covers our heart. Satan will test us by tossing and shaking our lives and turning us upside down. But it's to test us and it's to see where our fate really stands. You see, folks, we need to take a stand. Because if we don't, then we'll fall for everything. It's a test of what fate really looks like when we are hard-pressed in our lives. Our fate is strengthened through the temptations and through the trials we encounter through life. Even when we fail, we can learn. But these trials, like anything else in life, will pass. God uses trials for a temporal time of learning and building our faith. And we see and feel the temporal grief and the pain of what these trials and these tests bring us. But what we don't see is the eternal glory which God is creating within you. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18 reads this way. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light afflictions, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceedingly and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are unseen are eternal. See, God is preparing us for the unseen, the unknown through the process 
of sifting. He's preparing you and I to be a product of the master so that we would be consistent. He did it for Peter and he's doing it for us today. After the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus appeared on the beach before his disciples and before Peter. And the disciples were just returning from an all-night fishing uh, tour and, and they didn't catch anything. And Jesus cries out to them and says to them, hey, cast your, your nets on the right side. And they began to catch fish in abundance. Peter then recognizes that it was Jesus who was on the shore and crying out to them. And he swims to the shore where they have a conversation. Again, I want you to imagine how out of place Peter must have felt being with Jesus again. He was once this comfortable and self-assured chosen disciple. And now he's before Jesus as one who has failed him. Peter had lost all self-confidence and faith and was filled with self-doubt and feeling like a failure right now. How could he even look Jesus in the eye and face him face to face? Peter was still feeling, feeling the grief because he had denied Christ and denounced his friendship with Jesus by, by cursing and swearing while he stood with the crowd outside of the courtyard during the trials that Jesus was going through. In Matthew 26, 74 and 75, it states it this way. Then he, Peter, began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know this man. Immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Can you feel the grief that Peter was going through? Listen, you and I will let Jesus down at some point in our walk with Jesus Christ. And we too will be grieved. But remember, Jesus prayed for Peter and for us. And no matter how much we hurt Jesus, no matter how much we've sinned before him, no matter how much we fail him, Jesus still loves you and I so much that he sealed his love by giving his life for you and I. Folks, no matter what you're going through, Jesus will be with you through the process. He's with you through the trials. He'll be with you through the pain and through the sorrow. He's there for you. Jesus loves us unconditionally with his agape love. And that's what agape means, unconditional love. His pure and his perfect love. The kind of love that considers you and I before oneself. And then there's the lesser kind of love, the filial love. The love that we share with one another, it's called brotherly love. And it's described as to be a friend to an individual or object, to have affection for, an attachment as a matter of sentiment or feelings. That's the brotherly love we share. I'm sharing these two different types of love with you because 
when we read this conversation between Jesus and Peter, we have to note and understand the meaning of these two loves and the usage of the different loves in this passage. So I'm going to read it as it reads in the Bible. When Peter came to the shore and sat with Jesus, this is the conversation that they had. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus had prepared breakfast on the beach. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most surely I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wish. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you don't, do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Peter, follow me. I'm going to read this passage again, and this time, let's look at the different types of love that is spoken between Jesus and Peter, and it's in your handout. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape love me? Unconditional love. More than these, and he was talking about the disciples. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I filio love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. You see, Peter could not love equivalently as Jesus loved Peter because of the grief that Peter held in his heart. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I filio love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you filio love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you filio love me? You see, God has now changed his standard of love. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wish. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he was, would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. You see, Peter couldn't match the type of love that Jesus was showing Peter, his agape love. He couldn't match God's standards. Peter was grieved. Was not, uh, Peter wasn't grieved because Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Peter was grieved because Jesus lowered his standard 
to love Peter where he was. You see, Jesus met Peter at his level of love. And he'll meet you and I where we are in any of our situations that we'll go through. You see, folks, his agape love and his standards will never change. It always remains the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But his grace, however, that's where he makes it possible for you and I to reach out to him. And we may not deserve it, but he will always offer it to us. You see, folks, no matter how much we may be sifted, no matter how far we fall away from God in any of these situations of life, you will never go through it alone. Whatever you're going through in life, God is with you. And his word says that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. You know, these past two, three weeks, my faith was tested a lot through the passing of my dad. And I rejoice because he's now with the Lord. But it's in those times that my faith had to stand strong for him. Because I had to stand strong for my family. To hold them up. To be the Jesus in their life. Who God has created me to be. I had to stand strong in my faith. And because I was preparing this message, I remembered a part of the scripture. Where it says, when you have returned to me, strengthen your breadwin. And it was in that time that I was feeling really, really weak in my faith. Even to the point of throwing in the towel and saying it's done. That's where I went to, the, to Pastor Sheldon and to the pastors as we had a meeting. And I explained to them. And Pastor always asked us, how are you doing? And I told him, not good. Not good. You see, these people have been through it and they stand on their faith. We go, I went to them and we have people that we can go to to be strengthened. And God uses these people to strengthen the brethren who are going through the sifting and through the process of being tested in their faith. God allows us to go through times of sifting. And Psalms 23 teaches us that we must walk through valleys. And it's in these times that our flesh will be purified and our faith will be strengthened. What the enemy uses to harm us through the tests, God uses for the good for those who love him. And for those who trust in him. It's only through these sifting times that God takes the useless and makes it useful for the master's purpose. And if there's one thing that we can realize through the sifting and all of this, it'll show us what we're truly made of.
to the testing. After we've been through the process and the tests, as Peter was, Jesus spoke to him about how he would die. Jesus wasn't letting Peter know. I mean, Jesus was just letting Peter know that he would have enough faith to be that person that claimed in the first place, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Peter increases faith through the sifting. And he didn't die with Jesus. But because of the increase of his faith, he knew that he would live for Jesus. And he would follow him to the very end. Re-encouraging Peter's faith to become the very person that God was creating for him to be from the beginning of time. And we can do the same too through the sifting. Jesus will create you to be the person he's created you to be from the very beginning of time. Amen? You may close your Bibles and put away your notes. Again, just a reminder that starting September 6th, our services will start to at 7 and the new times will be 7, 9, and 11. So put that to heart. I don't know what you're going through. But through the past weeks, I found this new built faith. A rejuvenation of my faith. Through what I've been through. It wasn't easy. The process was difficult. But... The rewards are great. I stand here before you renewed and re-strengthened in my faith with Jesus Christ. I get to be here today so that I can strengthen you that no matter what you're going through. For some of us, we've fallen. And we feel as though we're failures. God is with you. And he's there for you through the, through the pain and through the sorrow and through the process. He will always be there for you. Sifting is a way that we increase our faith and we begin to trust in our master, Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you pray with me? Father, we thank you That you put us through a process so that we can find out for ourselves what our lives look like before you, Lord God. So, Lord, today, I don't know where they're at. They may have known you and fallen away from you, Lord God. Just as Peter. So, today, I pray that this message would encourage them to return to you because you love them. Our failures is always welcome before you, Lord God. Because you see the good in us from the beginning when you created us as you created Adam. For some of us, we may be struggling with situations and we don't see the end of the tunnel right now. We don't see the answers or the way out. It's a time that they get to look at their lives and you're gaining their attention so that they can see their faith and what they, they're trusting in 
but God. And then there's people here who may not know who you are, Lord God. But they're going through this and they can relate to the problems and the things that they're going through life that they now understand. And they're, they may be saying, boy, how do I get to know this God? Well, the answer is simple because he always makes a way. And the, the, the answer to that is all you need to do is ask. And the Bible says you shall receive. That Jesus died on the cross for you and I. That he died and returned to heaven and he's now interceding with the Father over you and I. Over our souls that was even spoken in heaven over Peter's soul. But Jesus has the last word with the Father. And as we receive him in our hearts, it is he who cleanses and purifies our hearts. It wipes away all the impurities because of the blood that he shared on the cross. All you need to do is ask of him. I'll say a little prayer. If you don't know this, Jesus, just repeat that prayer with heart. Because Jesus looks at the heart. And that prayer would sound like this. Lord Jesus, I don't know who you are. And I am a sinner. So today I come to you with an open heart. Would you begin to move within me and teach me your ways instead of my ways? Today I believe that you died for me. And you rose on the third day. And I confess to you to be my God today. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Teach me. Mold me and make me the person that you've created me to be from the beginning in time. I love you. Live in my heart. If that's you today, that you said that with your heart, I... I, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, I would ask that you would just raise a hand. We just want to pray over you. And we'll bless you. God bless you back there. God bless you here. Back there. God bless you, brother. Back here, sister. God bless you. God bless you back there. Lord, you see the hearts. And maybe for some of us, we've fallen away. We, we, we've backslid for a while. But we're here today and we're hearing this message. And God is saying, return to me. I love you. Even in your failures, if that's you today and you're re recommitting your, your, your vow before God with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just raise a hand? Maybe you're feeling that way today. God bless you. Lord, look at that. Look at their hearts, Lord God. They love you and you love them. So would you start to stir up inside of them a new zeal, a new refreshing faith, Lord God. Would you start to increase their faith today, Lord God, that they may know you even more and trust in you, Father, because you love them. So, Lord, I pray for each and every soul here today, no matter what situation they may be in, no matter what sifting and testing they may be going through, Lord, you are with us. You never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you for loving us just the way we are. We accept you as our Lord and Savior. We give you all praise. We give you all honor. We give you all glory in Jesus' name. And the congregation would say amen and amen. Let's give those who made a great decision today of knowing Jesus Christ.
a big hand, greatest decision you ever make in your life. God loves you.